0: Welcome to according to the scriptures, where doing things according to God's word is of heavenly importance to us. I'm Kyle Webb, your host, and I'm glad that you are here. A few weeks ago, one of our members suggested that we do a study on Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. And the reason that he gave is that the seven ones that are found in those verses pretty well cover Christianity and should be fundamental to each of us as Christians. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. And so we began that study. And today, for an installment of According to the Scriptures, I want to share with you an original recording of the sermon in hopes that it will be beneficial to you. So, grab your Bible, a pen and paper if you'd like to take notes, And I'll be back at the end of the program to give you more information about our congregation and how to contact us. We're continuing our series today on uh, the seven ones of Ephesians chapter 4. And so far we have gotten through uh, one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord. And today we're going to talk about one faith and how that applies to each of us as Christians. Uh, we begin with our lesson text from Ephesians chapter 4. And we'll begin reading at verse 1. And uh, by the time we get through the end of these lessons, maybe we'll have them memorized. Uh, but in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. One of the the main things that we have noticed about our lesson text is the, the theme of unity. All of these verses deal with unity, us being united, us being brought together in various forms and in various ways. But as we we find unity, we understand that it is found in these seven ones. And uh, as I mentioned before, Joe suggested this, and we've talked about it before. and, And these are basically the basics of Christianity, that we find unity in these ones, that we are one in body, that we are united as one body, the body of Christ, that we are of one spirit. That we are united in one hope. We have one singular hope that we share. We have one Lord who is our Savior, Jesus the Christ. And there can be none other. All of these things are we are one in. As they are one, we are one in them. And there is also one common faith that we share. One faith between us as brethren. Now, as we look at the world, and some of you may have been brought up in a denomination, and maybe you're more familiar with, with this uh, than I can can really explain. But when you look at, at a denominational concept of faith, uh, it's different because they believe in many faiths. They believe that for the most part that it is okay for you to believe your, your, your side of things, I'll believe what I want to believe, and and we'll all come together in the end. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that there is one faith, and that is what we are going to talk about today. It is that faith that unites us in Christ. If we are of many faiths, then we are not united in Christ. There is no way for us to be brought in unity believing different things. Believing in more than one God, there is no way for us to really have that idea in mind and be unified with what the Bible teaches. So we're going to look about look at that today and and see how that applies to us. We have to have a, a good understanding of what faith is in order to understand. Uh, how there is to be one faith and how we are united in one faith, we need to have a good idea of what faith is. Just looking at a, a general definition, this is what I pulled up on from Google, uh, complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Uh, another belief is, uh, or another definition, strong belief in God or in the doctrines of a, re, a religion based on spiritual apprehension Rather than proof. If we look at this from a biblical standpoint. We have a couple of verses that tell us what faith is. Hebrews chapter 11 beginning with verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. We've talked about hope. The the hope that we have in, in Christ. We look forward to heaven and And we have hope in the promises of God. Well, where does that come from? It comes from faith. It's what our hopes are made of. When we have hope in something uh, from a scriptural standpoint, that is faith. We believe that those things will be. And we will be rewarded for that belief, that faith. It is the evidence of things not seen, even though we can't see God, even though we can't see the the creator of this universe, we believe that he exists through faith. That is faith. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So we must hear the word of God, and when we hear it, we believe it by faith. When looking at, at faith the way that the world describes it, we might think of that faith is all about the mind, uh, the focus of our hope and trust in a, in a certain direction or, or in someone. But when we look at it from a biblical perspective, we find it to be just a little bit different. You see, if you look at those general definitions that we looked at a moment ago, I don't know if I can go back or not. Yeah, I can go back. (laughs) Look at those definitions, and you, you have the idea of it's all about the mind. It's what's in the mind. It's the focus of the mind. But when we look at it from a biblical perspective, we find that it's more than just mind. It's more than just a thought. It's more than just an attitude. Faith also produces action. True faith also produces action. I want you to look with me at Hebrews chapter 11 and let's begin reading at verse 4. And let's read some examples. We won't read all of them in Hebrews 11. Let's look at just the first three. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speak. By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. I want you to focus on the first word of uh, verses 4, 5, and 7. The first two words, actually. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear and prepared an ark. In each of these examples, we see that faith led these individuals to action. It led them to do something. In the case of Abel, it led him to, to offer to God a sacrifice, the kind of sacrifice that God was willing to accept. The kind of sacrifice that God wanted. By faith, Enoch walked with God. He lived a life that was pleasing to God. It was the way that he lived. By faith, Noah built an ark. He obeyed God. God told him to do something and he did it. In each of these examples, faith led these individuals to action. To do something, to do something. Uh, ultimately, what God wanted them to do. And Noah's example especially, it led him and his family to salvation. We'll look at that a little more in, in 1 Peter chapter 3. But you find that that from a biblical standpoint, and if we go all the way through this great hall of faith, as we often refer to it in Hebrews chapter 11, you go through each of those examples and one of the things that you're going to find in common, actually a couple of the things, is first of all, it says that by faith they did this. By faith, they did something. They had faith in God. God told them to do something and they did it. Whoever it was, in Hebrews chapter 11, we find uh, many individuals throughout scripture that by faith did something. So we need to get it in our minds. If we're going to truly live by faith, if we're going to be pleasing unto God, then faith is more than just belief. It's more than just an idea. It's more than just an attitude. It's more than just a thought. It is action. Faith leads us to action. And if faith doesn't lead you to action, are you really the Christian that God wants you to be? That's something that, that you need to ponder uh, in your own life, are you what God wants you to be? Faith is more than just belief in God. And there are some that believe, some that teach that, that that's all you've got to do. As long as you believe, you're going to be all right. God's going to take care of you. And that's not the case. Even the demons believe and tremble according to James chapter 2. It's more than just belief. Faith, from a biblical standpoint, is leading to action. Faith leads us to action. Uh, Another misconception in in denominations, again, I I think I mentioned it earlier, is that they have the idea of multiple faiths, and that's not what we read of in Scripture. When we look at the Bible, we find one faith. As a matter of fact, over and over again, some 53 times, I believe it is in Scripture, that the words the faith are found together. 53 times. That's not a coincidence. So when we look at, at faith, we have an understanding that there is one singular faith. Just as it says in Ephesians chapter 4 that we are united in one faith, there is but one faith that is taught in Scripture. Jude, verse 3. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to The saints. The faith. According to Jude verse 3, there are certain things shared by all Christians that he brings to the attention of his readers. We have a common salvation. And we have a common faith. That we are united in. One singular salvation. One singular Faith. And he doesn't say multiple faiths, he doesn't speak of different faiths, but that we contend earnestly for the faith. The faith in Christ that is shared by all Christians, that's the kind of faith that we're talking about today. One faith. First mention, speaking of the lame man in Solomon's portico, we find that it is through the faith that he was healed, according to Acts chapter 3 and verse 16. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know, yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of of you all. Acts 16 and verse 5. So the churches were strengthened. In the faith. And increased. In number. Daily. When Paul preached to Felix. In Acts 24 and verse 24. And after some days. When Felix came with his wife Drusilla. Who was. Who, who was Jewish. He sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. The faith we also share with those we read about in the Old Testament. Circumcision is is not a necessary practice for us to follow today to be saved, but, but here in, in Romans chapter 4 and verse 12, it says, And the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of the faith, which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. We find that we are united in faith in God with those of the Old Testament as well as those that we read about in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. Ephesians 4 and verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of the faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Do you see where I'm going with this? As we look through all of these scriptures, we find mention of the faith. Not many faiths, with an S, but the faith. One faith. The scriptures teach of one faith that is shared by each and every one of us, as Christians. That is the faith that we are subscribed to, if you could say that. Uh, it's the kind of, it's the faith it, it, that, that we are united in. There is no other. There are certain examples that we read of in Scripture that tell us about this faith. I want to look first at the faith of Abraham. We might refer to him as the father of faithfulness or the father of faith. He was one of the very first that is mentioned as being faithful to God. Actually, on a couple of occasions, we find that he did what God told him to do. Genesis chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house. To a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Verse 4. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Seventy-five years old. And God told him to leave his home country, to leave his family. And we don't read of hesitation. We read simply that Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. He believed God. And whatever he had been taught, whatever they Uh, whatever worship they had participated in before he believed in God and he did exactly what God told him to do his faith in God was an obedient faith his faith led him to do something to do what God wanted him to do what good would it have done if God had said leave your home and he, he just said well I don't want to do that we wouldn't have the what we read about in scripture would we We wouldn't have his great example before us, But by faith he did something. And the blessing promised by God became reality. You see we find that God is faithful to his promises. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 beginning with verse 8. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city, which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised, therefore from one man. And him, as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. The faith that led Abraham to leave his home is the same faith that led him to nearly sacrifice his son in obedience to God's command. Verse 17 of Hebrews 11, by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it is said, in Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Faith led Abraham to obey. Not once, but on two separate occasions that we read of in Scripture, uh, two great occasions, his faith led him to obedience, to leave his home. As we read in Genesis 22, to sacrifice his son, as God commanded him to do, as a test. Abraham was ready. Not only was he ready, but he was at the point where he was about to sacrifice him. He was about to take his life as a sacrifice unto God when God told him to stop. He believed that God was faithful to his promises. He believed that God was able to do whatever he wanted to do. And he believed that he could raise him from the dead even, if that were necessary. But he knew that in Isaac, were the promises that God had made him. And he believed God to be faithful to those promises. The faith of Abraham is also the faith of Noah. Going backward a bit to Genesis chapter 6, we begin reading at verse 5. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 13, And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, its width 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark, and you shall finish it to a cubit from above, and set the door of the ark in its side. You shall make it with lower second and third decks. And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die, but I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall go into the ark, you and your sons, your wife and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh you shall bring two. Of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds after their kind, of animals after their kind. Of every creeping thing of the earth after its kind, two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. And you shall take for yourself Of all food that is eaten, and you shall gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you, for and for them. Verse 22. Thus Noah did. Thus Noah did. According to all that God commanded him, so he did. That's one of the most important verses in Scripture. Noah believed God. Hadn't seen rain yet. They didn't know what it was, but he believed God. And he built that ark. He didn't say, well, what's gopher wood? I don't know how to find gopher wood. We don't know what gopher wood is, really. He didn't say, this is too hard. This is too big. I don't have the right tools to to make this. I don't have enough manpower to to make this happen. He did it. God told him to build the ark and he did. And there were people, a lot of people that told him he was crazy. But he did it anyway. Hebrews 11, back to verse 7 that we read a moment ago. By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear. Being warned, divinely warned of things not yet seen. We act upon what we see often. We uh, drive and you see uh, an accident happening and you slow down, you react to what you see. There are many occasions where where we can look back at our lives and see that we are reacting to what we can see. But he was divinely warned of things not yet seen. Not yet experienced. And yet he did what God wanted him to do. He prepared an ark for the saving of his household. By which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. He was a righteous man. Because by faith he did what God wanted him to do. The faith of Abraham is the faith of Noah. And the faith of Noah is the same faith that we share with them today. Now I could go into many other examples and look at David and Enoch and and Moses and all those that are listed in Hebrews chapter 11. But let's bring this to a, a point, a closing point. First Peter chapter 3, beginning with verse 18. First Peter 3, beginning with verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, by whom also He went and preached to the spirits in prison, who formerly were disobedient when once the divine longsuffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. There is also an antitype, a like figure which now saves us, baptism. Not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject To Him. Christ suffered for our sins. He, the just and holy and righteous one, suffered for us. The just suffered for the unjust. And it makes no sense to us why. Except that God tells us that He loved us. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Death versus life. We were once dead in our trespasses, and yet we have been given life. This he preached to the spirits in prison. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 6, we, we sort of have an understanding uh, of what this means. For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. He's were formerly disobedient as in the days of Noah. Yet we find that Christ brings life. His suffering for the unjust brings us to God. Obedient to God, Noah built an ark. An ark in which he and his family were saved by water. Saved. From the temptations of the wicked world. The temptations that would be so great in in a world full of wickedness. Where even the thoughts and intents of every heart was turned away from God. What great temptation Noah and his family must have experienced in that time. He is saved from that. He is saved from the wrath of God to destroy the world. God told him he was going to destroy the world with water. And he was saved from that. He was saved by water. Saved from the wrath of God by water. And he is saved through his obedience to the will of God. He believed and he did what God told him to do. And Through it he finds salvation. As Noah was saved through his faith in God and through his obedience to God's will, so we are saved through our obedience to God's will. As I read in verse 21, there's also an antitype, a like figure. I like the, the terminology, like figure, better from the King James Version which now saves us, baptism. A like figure which now saves us, baptism. One of the things that came out in our Sunday night class uh, last week, we uh, were talking about how we talk to people and, and how we try to bring them to Christ. And, and I remember a story of a, a preacher that, that said that in his younger years as a teenager, uh, they went door knocking, and he went to a certain house and and went up to the, the porch. There was a, a man that was sitting on the porch, and um, he had already been told that they had, had spoken to this man uh, several times before, and he was never never willing to obey. Um, but he, he they got to talking, and, and the man uh, brought up baptism, I believe it was, and and he says, you can't point me to a verse. There's not a verse in the Bible that says that baptism saves us. And he mentioned this verse. Verse 21, there is a light figure which now saves us, baptism. And said the man mouthed it. He could see him mouthing it and, and reading it over and over again. And eventually said, get off my porch and don't come back. That's what the Bible says. That baptism does save us. It's the answer of a good conscience toward God. When we believe, we are willing to obey. Acts 2, beginning with verse 37 Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission, for the forgiveness of sins, And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What did Peter say? They asked, what must we do? What shall we do? Repent. Let every one of you be baptized. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins. In Acts chapter 8, beginning with verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? Somewhere in this conversation, in, in Philip's teaching, baptism was a part of that lesson. And the eunuch, looking down the road, See, here's water. What hinders me? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you May, if you believe. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing, Did you notice that the faith of the eunuch, he believed, but it wasn't the end. It wasn't how the story ends. He did something. He believed and he obeyed. Our obedience today to God's will for us today is belief. We must first have faith in Christ. Hearing the word of God, believe it. Truly believe it. We have confession that that we believe Christ to be the Son of God. That's important for us to to do. Important for us to practice. You have repentance, a, a change of life. We're no longer living for the pleasures of the world, but instead living for the promises of God. And baptism for the remission, for the forgiveness of sins. Noah and his family were saved by God. Because he was obedient to God's command to build an ark, they were saved through water. Obedient to God's command today. In like manner, we are saved through the water of baptism. Baptism is not a a bath. It's not a cleansing of fleshly filth. But it is instead for the cleansing of the conscience and the spiritual man. And through baptism and obedience to God, we are saved. Through our obedience and baptism, we are saved unto eternal life in Christ. Hebrews 11, verse 13, "...these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland." And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. We are saved unto eternal life in Christ. Saved from the temptations of the world. Knowing that we can overcome them through Christ. He was able to overcome them in this life, and we can overcome them too. We are saved from the wrath of God to destroy the world. That we are removed from such destruction to instead live with God in this heavenly home. We are saved from the destruction of the world. And we are saved through our obedience to the will of God to to be baptized for the remission of our sins and to live faithfully for Him from this time on. In the same way that Noah was saved through water, so are we saved. We're saved from the temptations of the world. Saved from the destruction of the world. And we are saved through the waters of baptism. Saved by the water to eternal life in Christ. There's so many parallels that we can draw from all of this, but it all begins with faith. Not multiple faiths, the faith, one faith. Do you believe that one faith? More than believe, have you obeyed? Have you become a child of God? Maybe it is that you need to come in obedience. Maybe you need to be baptized for the remission of your sin. Maybe you need to repent. Maybe you need to come back to Him. Whatever your need may be today, we offer you an opportunity to respond to the Lord's invitation if that is your need. If we can help you, we want to do so. We offer you that opportunity as together we stand and as we say, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided. No turning back. No turning back. On behalf of myself and the Mars Hill Church of Christ, we thank you for joining us. We hope you will be back with us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. right here on the Gospel Radio Network at tgrn.org. If you would like to contact us, our phone number is six one five two zero three. Three six three seven. If you would like to find out more about our congregation, our website is www.marshillcoc.org. Our email address is COC at gmail.com. And if you would like to contact us the old-fashioned way, our address is 1135 Rucker Road, Christiana, Tennessee, 37037. If you are in our area, we would love to meet you in person. Our service times are 9 a.m. for Bible study and 10 a.m. for worship on Sunday mornings. Thank you again for joining us, and until we meet again, may God bless you.